Welcome to the In the Bag Podcast. I'm your host from a pleasant Houston, Texas, and was with me as always is Jazzy James Haldeman. How you doing, bud? I'm uh, I'm good. We were we were debating the the merits of what pleasant Houston, Texas was before we hopped on the podcast, but I'm not going to take that away from you. So uh, I'm, I'm happy to be <laughs> and, here. Uh, and, and with us uh, on this uh, Masters edition uh, is Andrew Hatch. How's it going? It is wonderful to be here as always, boys. You know, Hatch always brings something to the pod that is, uh, I'm not sure, you know, it's just, it's a different type of energy. Um, <laughs> you know, he, I think he makes us bring our A game he, every he, time. He gives us a better energy. I, I really, I really truly believe that. It turns into like, you know, we do this every week. It's a little bit procedural for us at this point we kind of have our cues we hit and, and there's some good banter but i feel like you know that's just that added dynamic that hatch brings it causes it'll be a little more conversational i think uh there's more headbutting where he's he's a little willing to challenge us on our on our ideas than we usually do to each other so it's fun to have him. i appreciate hearing that i like to get in there and mix it up and uh you guys are the best to mix it up with awesome well we had the houston open last weekend and for once we actually have a tournament that's going to have some guys carry over to this weekend so we'll be able to give you a an actual club up club down section this weekend as opposed to uh the you know the last few tournaments where it's been hit or miss uh but we had a a pretty uh, a pretty interesting houston open we had carlos ortiz being a first time winner take it down after years of not winning on the tour despite being pretty successful in the corn Ferry tour uh while he's not a native texan being from mexico he went to north texas he has a lot of texas ties he was very emotional after the rounds. Uh, it was really awesome. And, and the shot that he hit on 16 on the par 5 to put it within 8 feet for an eagle opportunity, although he didn't make it, really sealed the deal for him uh, moving forward to, to hold off a charging Dustin Johnson. Let's just get into the club up, club down, and, and really what you thought of the tournament uh, being uh, at, for the first time at Memorial Park as opposed to the Golf Club of Houston. I thought Memorial Park was a pretty awesome golf course, and it was interesting because something we didn't talk about last week uh, that we probably should have a little bit more was that Brooks Kepka had a lot of input in the design, and basically what he said was take bunkers out and put more undulation in the fairways and, and around the greens. And I thought it was, it, it played really awesome. It clearly, you know, he causes more problems for those guys because, you know, they're, they're making contact out of a bunker pretty easily and can put a lot of spin on a ball that way. So I really love the course. I'm excited that that's where the Houston Open's going to be. Uh, I thought it was beautiful and, and it played really awesome. For guys that I, I, I liked last week, uh, Dustin Johnson was the one that probably surprised me the most coming off a huge layoff from the U- U.S. Open, you know, especially after he struggled in the first round to put up three phenomenal rounds and almost chase down Carlos Ortiz. It was really, really impressive. Same for Brooks. He had a, he had a really solid performance. Not quite as long of a, a layoff, obviously. We saw him at the CJ Cup, but you saw a lot of good things from Brooks that you're you know you're looking for coming into this week. And then to to round that out, Hideki is the other guy for me. Uh, he was somebody I had my eye on coming into this week. He he you know, a really solid performer at the Masters in general. He had been playing really solid golf recently, but hadn't shown that upside. Uh, and, and we got to see it this week in a, in a T2 finish with, with Dustin Johnson. 
Yeah, adding on to that, uh, I agree about your take on uh, Memorial Park. I thought it was really interesting to look on the TV. Uh, it does not look like what I think your typical Texas course looks like. Right. Um, I, you know, when you're when you think of Texas courses, it just an image comes to mind, and there was obviously not a lot of bunkers, not a lot of uh, of dirt or anything like that. And so it, I I thought it looked really interesting um, on TV, and and I'd be very excited to actually get out there and, and see it in person. Someday, uh, yeah, we can all go crash. Yeah, we'll, we'll make it happen. Slaughter's house, and we'll go play. Uh, I'm in. Yeah, for sure. I'm in. I mean, I thought it kind of looked a lot like TPC Harding, just from the angles it was showing. I, I don't know if y'all kind of uh, got that vibe from it. So, yeah, I mean, I, I thought I think the way the course was laid out, you know, a lot of a lot of dog legs, very few straight holes. Uh, yeah, in in that way, definitely very very reminiscent of Harding. You know, there's a uh, you know, less water at Harding and, and a little more bunkerage as far, as far as like course protection. But um, but yeah, I think the way it's kind of shaped and laid out, definitely definitely a, a good call there. Those kind of vibes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So uh, well, let's get in right into this club club up club down section. <coughs> you know, obviously we'll talk about DJ quite a bit. His performance was pretty impressive. We have Brooks. Uh, you know, certainly gaining some momentum heading into this tournament. Jason Day was uh, obviously didn't have a, a good final day, but you know was playing really well uh, the first three days of the tournament. So you know what do you who who did you think you know brought something that can carry over to this weekend, and who uh, did you think uh, disappointed, and then who maybe disappointed, and you know that doesn't really matter to you. Yeah, so I, I agree with uh, I agree with James that Hideki I think was was the biggest club up for me. He had not been playing great for for most of the year since the restart, um, but really showed good form all around at, at Houston. Uh, sixth in strokes gained tee to green, sixteenth in approach, and tenth in putting. I mean, just a, a really well put together four rounds. Which I think the last time I was on this pod, I said my knock on Hideki was he cannot put together four solid rounds in a course. So it was great to see him do it. Now, to be fair, it's at Houston. Can he do it this week? I don't know. But I feel a lot better about him going into this week than I would have if I hadn't watched him in Houston. Uh, the, inter- the interesting question going into this week with Hideki is, yeah, can he do it four more rounds again? But this was like his fifth best putting performance in his entire career. And so you're also, I mean, he's he's in my core this week. So, and we'll talk about that later. But our, we, we have to bank on the fact that he's going to be able to do that again to have this high of a finish. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, outside of Hideki, um, you know, I'll, I'll let you guys talk about DJ, who I, I know we're going to talk about a lot, and obviously had a great week. Two underrated guys I want to mention: Sam Burns and uh, Seb Straka, both finished top ten. Um, Sam Burns third in strokes gained off the tee and third in approach. So I mean, he was just hitting it phenomenally. I think if he had putted a little bit better, obviously he would have been right there in contention. And then opposite for for Seb Straka, not not terribly long off the tee and stuff but fourth in putting and first in approach so he made up for it with some some great game anytime we can get a sam burns on the podcast (laughs) absolutely for it cousin burns yeah it's interesting right usually the the thing that holds him back is he he goes cold with the irons but he his ball striking was phenomenal all week last week really i mean he was in the lead after the second round so it, it was it was surprising that it was his putter that held him back but that's you know in in solid fields you know this isn't it was a really good field last week and it also was 
God, what was the name of the tournament? The Workday, uh, where he you know was in contention going into the end of it. So he's he's a guy that's shown when his irons get hot, he can compete. You know, for for championships with you know DJ, Justin Thomas, Colin Morikawa, all those guys. So he's he he's got a lot of talent. He's just inconsistent right now. Slaughter, who you got? Uh, Who'd you like last week? I, I think you'll have kind of covered the waterfront, honestly. You know. Uh, I don't really have too much to add here. Jason Day was, you know, I thought was was impressive, particularly, you know, I like the fact that he's gaining, he's starting to gain strokes off the tee again, especially, you know, we'll talk about the weather this weekend, but the fact that it is going to be raining and that's not only going to affect his off the tee, people's off the tee game, but I really think it's also going to affect how people play around the greens. I'm not, uh, I'm not sure if it's going to make it easier or harder, but I do believe it'll make it, uh, it, it'll just be different and people will have to modify their games. And I think people who have good around the green games are, are really going to excel this weekend because of that. But yeah, I, I don't have too much to add. You know, moving on to some club downs. James, I know that you, you like Lee Westwood this weekend, despite the fact that he didn't play well. You're hoping that throws some people off the scent a little bit. Yeah, I'm hoping it throws some people off the scent. But what I will say about Lee Westwood, and I'm going to pull up his strokes gained... Uh, data from from the tournament real quick he was not good in the first round but in the second round you know he, he I think he shot two or three under and and gained in all the categories so really Lee Westwood missed the cut because of a really bad 77 on in the first round and given that he played well in the second round I'm really not gonna take him to task for that and I, I I'm hoping it depresses his ownership a little bit this week he's somebody with really solid um you know course history at at augusta and and you know we're getting him at not at more discounted price than we would have because pricing was out already but hopefully you know discounted ownership uh if that makes sense this week uh heading into augusta no for sure for sure uh hash you got anybody to add uh you know i had a couple uh club downs just from from last week i don't you know some of them don't really translate to this week but uh doc redmond uh he was 14th in driving and 9th in putting last week and 59th in approach um and the only not gonna see that often yeah it was just like it, it was a very weird weird tournament for him and he finished you know tied for 61st so i just it was kind of a weird thing to see, and I'm something I'll probably watch out for in, in tournaments after the Masters. Um, another one that I think I'm a little scared about translating over for, for this week is Brant Snedeker. Uh, second to last group going into moving day on Saturday, and then shot a 76 and shot himself right out of the tournament. As, as a guy that's always been kind of a streaky player, you just that's not something you want to see, I think, the week before the Masters. Absolutely. Um you know, I'll, I'll add two more names to the list. Uh, you know, we talked about it a little bit last weekend, but, you know, Jordan Spieth obviously didn't have a good weekend. Even though he was and four under Mi- and lit up the <laughs> chat for a little bit. It yeah. was a brief moment. We, we, had a, we had a glimmer of hope heading into Augusta. Well, I think he, I think he hit like, you know, nine of his, like the first nine fairways that he could, he could possibly hit. And then it, it just went all downhill from there. The other guy that, you know, I thought would potentially was going to be pretty interesting coming into this weekend, but I just have no confidence in is Phil. And, you know, I, I didn't watch any of his champions tour events, but it just seems to me that he takes a totally different approach in how he plays these PGA champion, you know, ship events. And I just, I, I don't understand it completely. I mean, I do get that he, you know, he needs to play long and all this kind of stuff, but 
it just seems like he's just so far off in his in his swing and his games and he's making himself feel uncomfortable at the tee box with every shot that he's taking in these events that I, I just don't understand like how you're going to be successful if you don't feel confident, confident in what you're doing. And that just really seems to me uh, the case. The last guy that I'll mention is, you know, Lanto Griffin. It just, you know, it's the Lanto rule. He was above 7,000. You shouldn't have played him. And, you know, he's below 7,000 this weekend. He should probably play him. So, uh, you know, that, them's the rules i i will also throw in uh joaquin neiman uh it's it's bummed you know i'm, yeah, I'm bummed to see him not be able to make it this week he had been in absolutely incredible form coming into this tournament uh you know tied for 23rd the u.s open tied for 13th at shriners sixth at cj tied for 17th at zozo uh, his game in every aspect and every phase was really clicking um so i'm, I'm bummed to see him uh, have to sit out and miss the Masters because he was going to be something, someone that I was really looking to be a, a staple in my lineup. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think I think in that range, you know, it, and, and I've really grown to like that range in this tournament. You know, we'll talk about it later, but um, but yeah, it's really unfortunate because you know, like you said, he, he just fits this course very well, and what he does well is is what you need to do. His around the green game could be a little better, but. The way that he strikes the ball, he always has an opportunity to place very high in any tournament that he enters in. Yeah, absolutely. No, uh, I agree with that. The other one, I mean, Sergio, it's kind of a weird, you know, him kind of dropping out as well. So I'm not really sure why he was still playing Thursday, Friday last week, but then had COVID and not really explaining. But what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. All right. So. With all that said, let's jump into the pricing here for this weekend. Uh, obviously, as we said, the Masters. Well, actually, James, you have to do us the honors of giving us the course history, course rundown of Augusta. Uh, first time that it's ever been held in November, so that'll be interesting. But what's the course like? What, are, what should our viewers be honing in on as key uh, statistics for each of our golfers? Well, it's weird. We've never played at Augusta before, so we don't have... No, I'm just kidding. Uh, if there is a course <laughs> that, uh, you know, course history matters more than probably any other place that is Augusta National Golf Course, we have decades and decades and decades of data. And so it's, you know, it's, it's not too hard um, to figure out what we're looking for uh, when we head into the Masters. So it's par 72, almost 7,500 yards. You know, uh, it doesn't use rough as much to defend itself as much as it uses, you know, contours, dog legs, you know, strategically placed bunkers where you have to hit good tee shots. The the fairway gets thin and wide in certain places. Um, we also have like relatively small green complexes with like, you know, like we said at Houston last week, you know, trimmed areas that make it uh, more difficult to get up and down. So what we're looking for really this week is, in my opinion, you know, we have a lot of data that correlates really, really well. It's, of all the courses that are played on the PGA Tour, the second most important course with relation to driving distance. It is third with your ability to make birdies. And then around the green putting and approach game are, are obviously uh, really important. But I, I, I think the fact that Bubba Watson has two green jackets... Although he did let us in on a little secret, you only get one jacket and it stays in your locker year round recently in an interview. So I thought that was pretty fun to, to know. He doesn't actually have two identical green jackets and Tiger doesn't have five. They only have one. It stays in their locker. But I think that is 
uh, a testament to how how important it is to be good off the tee with the with the driver in your hand. Um, and so we're going to be looking for people that do that. Obviously, par seventy two, par five scoring is incredibly important here because it's so difficult to score here. So you want to take advantage of that. And then I think you'll want to be you know really really good around the greens. And given that you don't get like the typical greens books at this place or at this place at Augusta, um, you'll need you'll need to be you know like more classically trained, I guess, if that makes sense in, in greens reading. It does. And we have, so the pricing, you know, in all these major tournaments, the pricing is always a little soft. By soft, we mean that uh, it doesn't go as high. Like, what was Dustin Johnson last weekend? I mean, he was almost 12,000, right? Right. Or he was 12,000. And so we don't have anyone quite that high. We only have five guys that are even 10,000 or above. Uh, and that's Bryson, J- JT, Rom, Rory, and DJ. Again, you know, we say this at almost every time with all these tournaments, but it's really hard to go wrong uh, with any of these guys. The ownership projections are very similar for all of them in between uh, 15.5% and 20.5%, so it's not nothing, you know, crazy. They're all in good, good form. I mean, how do you choose... Uh, and they all have great course history here. So who do you choose at the top? How do you start your lineups? Yeah, so um, no, I think it's a good question on, on you know, how do you, how do you pick which one of the horses? And, and for me, what I try to do is figure out, okay, what are the, you know, like we say, we say this every week almost, uh, you know, what are the stats that matter and which player in that top range is going to match those stats best? So I think if you boiled it down, um, your approach shots are going to be your most important thing this week. So the first thing I'm doing is I'm ranking my top five guys on who hits the best approach shots. Uh, right now this year, that's definitely Justin Thomas. Uh, or, and just overall, the dude is a phenomenal iron player. So he was the guy that I immediately started looking at. If, if I'm going to grab a top guy, that's the first guy I'm going to. Um, I think once you get past that, you can start then weighing, like, what's your next, you know, we, we just mentioned you're going to have to be accurate off the tee and still long. So if you're going to want a guy like Justin Johnson, who's been phenomenal off the tee throughout his course history here, or do you want to take a risk on a guy like Bryson DeChambeau, who is probably going to hit it an absolute mile, but we have no idea how accurate he's going to be here. Uh, so I think that's going to be interesting. All of that's just a roundabout way of saying pick Justin Thomas. <laughs> Um, yeah, you know, the more I look at it, I'm honestly, uh, I think I'm going to have exposure to three separate guys and that's Bryson, JT and DJ. Uh, to me, they have the best around the green games of the three of the top five guys. Obviously Bryson and and DJ are two of the longest hitters that we have on tour. Uh, so that's going to, in a wet conditions, you know, there's not going to be much run out. And so guys that hit the ball just further, or they're going to have a, a, their advantage is going to be amplified in a tournament like this. Both, uh, all three of these guys, their approach games have been excellent. All three of these guys are, uh, have finished, you know, well, that's not exactly true, but Bryson has won, won the U S open last, uh, DJ is coming off just an amazing run uh, for the tour championship. DJ finished second here last year. Uh, you know, JT uh, has yet to crack the top 10, but there's no reason he shouldn't crack the top 10. So I think those are the three guys that I want exposure to. I, I, I don't have a particular order. I think D, DJ is my favorite guy, I think, out of all, all three, just given his price point. I don't really understand why he's lower than Rory 
or Rom at this point, just given their recent form. Well, DJ's, I mean, DJ's the cheapest price because pricing came out before Houston Open was was played and nobody knew what his comeback from COVID was going to be, right? So that that's the only reason we're seeing DJ as cheap as he is. And I think that probably makes him the highest ceiling play because of what it lets you do with your your ownership or your your talent level below him at, at cheaper prices. You can come up to more expensive guys. I think DJ is the best play down here. He's the cheapest. He showed that he's not missing anything uh, in his performance at the Houston Open. And he's got four top 10 finishes in, in his last four starts at Augusta. Capped it off with the second last year, that, that three-way tie for second with Xander and, and Brooks. I, I don't have an argument you know, against DJ. You know, Bryson's interesting. He can he can destroy this golf course, but I will say in his three three starts here, he's dead last in putting. And of all of the guys that maybe not having that highly detailed greens book hurts them, I, I think it might hurt him the most. And he's going to have to get over that. And I mean, obviously, he's got more familiarity with Augusta now. He's going to be hitting wedges into par fives, apparently, which, you know, I, I'm excited to to watch him try and do it. I also think he has the highest like range of outcomes. He's seven to one to win the tournament, but you can get him at some books at seven and a half to one to miss the cut. So you're telling me he's got the same odds to do that. It just means he has a very wide range of possibilities. JT probably has the worst course history here, but what like in the last four years, none of these guys have finished worse than 39th, which is just absolutely absurd to get, get from the top of your rosters. Uh, I feel like, it's just so weird that that JT is is projected to be the lowest zone. He's been like like Cash said, he's been the best iron player since the restart on tour and, and especially this season. He's also number one around the greens for guys that have played a lot of rounds since the restart. And I think those are going to be two incredibly important things. So if you go JT, I can't fault you. You know, Rom might end up being the the uh, a forgotten guy around here. Um, but he, he's been playing well as of late. You know, it was him and JT that, that lost out to, to Patrick Cantlay and were battling down the stretch at Zozo, so they're clearly in good form. But the outside of DJ, the guy I'm going to start my rosters with, for better or for worse, uh, is Rory McIlroy. You're, you're telling me I, there's no way I think Justin Thomas ends up being lower owned than Rory McIlroy. I, I know that's what projections say, but that would just, like, be it, it would shock me, uh, given, you know, that, that Rory isn't, hasn't really popped uh, in a tournament recently. I finished eighth at the U.S. Open, but that was an incredibly silent, I guess, eighth. It never felt like he was, you know, really at a risk for winning the tournament. And then, then I just so so a classic Rory, then. classic Rory. Yeah, he just backdoored his way into a top ten at a major, right? Like, and and the other thing you get with Rory is, I think, the highest floor of any of these guys. Like, he's just he he's. A tour average iron player since the restart, and in his last five tournaments, he hasn't finished worse than 21st. There is like, there are very few players in the world that can be tour average with their irons and still consistently put up those types of finishes. So like his, I think his floor coming into this tournament is like 25th, and and so I I think having that uh, peace of mind at the top of your roster. Uh, it's good to be. Also, you know, I just really want Rory to win the Masters this weekend. So I, I, I have major FOMO. I don't want to miss out on it if it happens in my bets and in my roster. So that's all. Yeah, uh, no, no doubt, no doubt there. I, like, I, I think it's a hard. It's hard to go wrong. I think you should choose who you like the best of the of these folks. And the reason, uh, you know, I, I think it's almost better. It's funny. 
it's almost better to just kind of spread out your ownership among the top guys. At least this is how I'm approaching it this 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 uh, tournament. I'm spreading out my ownership among the top guys, and then the guys that are in the lower ranges, I'm just really honing in. I'm just going all in with them. So interesting. I, okay. I think. I think that's how I'm approaching it because I just, you know, one of these, one of these top guys is going to win or they're going to, you know, they're all, they're going to finish top five. It's just about kind of like feeling out who that is going to be. And I just, you know, it could be, and it could be any of them, but I I have very strong opinions about who I think will do well as we, as we get cheaper and cheaper. I guess the thing I didn't mention during the, the course and tournament sort of background or whatever is that it's only going to be 50 and ties make the cut instead of within 10 shots of the lead. Like it usually is. And they're doing that. Um, due to daylight reasons, they don't want to run out of out of daylight. So uh, it, it'll still be a larger proportion than normal that makes the cut, with only I think what what forty four to forty five guys are going to miss the cut. But it, it will be you know less than usual. So I think it's important to 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 get it right um, this week, and I think you'll give yourself a really big advantage on on the fields and your your DraftKings events if if you do. To me, and the other thing, oh, go for go for that. Well, I was going to say, just to add on to that, they're also, for the first time in a very long time, doing doing front nine and back nine starting. That's true, lines, yeah. Which I, think, which I think is obviously going to make a big difference, especially if we're going to get rain overnight. Uh, you know, they the, the back nine consistently plays uh, a little bit easier than the front nine. It has more of the scoring holes. And so, like, let's say a guy starts early on the back nine. Can he get off to a four or five under start and then just hold on? Um when he when he hits the front now i think that's going to be a big difference so check your key times if you're kind of in between some guys they haven't released the waves yet right so we're, we're not sure when everybody's playing yes they yet. have oh they have yeah, they, they, they have released okay. they have released. yeah that's a really um, good call most of the big names are are teeing off later uh, if right. that matters with that said uh you know the next range the next range i think I'm not sure whether it's where you're going to win or lose the tournament. I definitely think it's where you can lose the tournament. I'm not sure if it's where you're going to win the tournament. But there are a lot of guys I like. There are some guys that I'm kind of sad that I'm going to be missing out on because I do think they have a great opportunity here. Um, let's just We'll just go by the thousands because I feel like it's it's good to get in-depth with all these guys. So we're going from Xander Shoffley at 9,800 to Bubba Watson at 9,000. You know... There's a handful of guys. The guys that I'm not really so in, in tune with are, are Morikawa, Webb, and Tiger. The rest of these guys, I think, you know, have a great opportunity here. I don't know how how you feel. The guy that stood out to me the most that I'm most surprised at his price is Cantlay, just given how he did here last year and the run he's kind of on right now. I'm I'm a little surprised that his you know his price is so low. Are you? You're the one that asks all the time if he's even good. I, I know. DraftKings Draft is listening to you. Don't be. Yeah. Don't be upset. Embrace it, Slaughter. You have power now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, and, and his projections is he's only ten percent projected ownership. So to me, he's the most interesting guy in this range. Yeah, I think. I and Hatch, Hatch and I talked about this a little bit before you hopped on. I think Bryson has a wide range of outcomes, and then. You have to get all the way down to Morikawa, Hatton, Simpson, and then Tiger and Patrick Reed until I think you get like that next wave of guys that have a huge range of outcomes. Like they could go out and finish top five, or you know, like they could miss the cut. Because uh, I, I, I think you know Xander does it a little more aggressively, I think, than Rory, but he's a great bet to make to finish top ten in a major, tie for second here last year. 
you know, we, we know what Brooks does in majors and, and he finally gave us a tournament where we can, we think we can expect that from him again. And, and even at, you know, PGA where we didn't know what to expect from him. He gave us three great rounds. It was in contention going into Sunday. He just had a bad Sunday. And then, like you said, Cantlay's on a great run. He played well here last year and only his second, second try at Augusta. So I think the top of this range is pretty safe. The middle of it scares me a little bit. And then I think you get a little bit safer again once you get down to Reed, Woods, and Watson. I don't I don't really want any piece of... Although Morikawa at 5% owned is so tempting. He, Hatton, and Simpson just really scare me off. They aren't as long as everybody else. And I think that really, really matters this week. Yeah, so... Um... I think every person in this range is just incredibly interesting. Each each individual sure, person in this yeah. range just just has their own thing that I'm like like well what about this about this guy uh, and so I think it's really fun to kind of mess around in here. Um, you know, Shoffley, I've I, I said I think I called him out on Twitter to y'all that is he the next Ricky Fowler, which is a separate <laughs> it's a separate discussion for a for a separate pod. Um, I just. I, I see him and he's so good and he's so consistent and I just don't know if he's ever going to, I mean, he's one of those guys that you say, okay, eventually he's going to get over the hump and win one, but like, all right, well, when? You got to do I it, mean, yeah. You got you got to do it. And if you, if you notice something about all the young studs on tour, they did it very quickly. Now, they may not have gotten a second one, like JT still only has one, uh, you know, or anything like that, but they did it quickly and you know, we're still waiting around on Xander. So that, that's my only, you know, hesitancy with him. Um, I do want to mention one thing about Patrick Cantlay, who I think is just a great pick this week. Uh, Data Golf, which is a phenomenal website. If you're not getting your information from there, go there. Um, or rickrungan.com. Go, go, go somewhere. <laughs> no, but like, the, the point is that we want him on the podcast at some point. The point is like absolutely. The point James Haldeman like, is the uh, Bryson of uh, of, <laughs> of sponsorship I, if you, for, for if podcasts. You, <laughs> if you ever pay us money, I swear to God, I will start putting vods on YouTube and I will like drink or eat your product in front of everybody. If anybody <laughs> ever pays us, I will shell out. I don't care. But like you're, you're we have, regardless of where you get it, your point stands, right? Like you got to have the right data to do this stuff well. Absolutely, absolutely, and we will 100% show for you if you if you would like us to. That being said, uh, datagolf.com is a great website, and they did an analysis of what are the skills that you know the average Masters champion has, and over their analysis, the five best golfers that they think match the the skill of the prototype golfer to win the Masters, Patrick Cantley is number one. Um, so they they think that his ability to drive, hit the fairway, hit approach shots, putt, you know, all sorts of different things, he's the best bet this week. So I I like that. I already liked him before I read that, and so you know I'm going to be feeling him. Uh, I don't like Colin Morikawa this week. I think we've all kind of mentioned it. Um, he has been absolutely horrible um, with with his putting, um, and so I just I don't really see him playing well on Augusta National where he's never played before. Uh, most first-time uh, participants at Augusta do not do well here. Uh, Jason Day is about the only exception. Uh, he actually shot 12 under in his first first time at Augusta National. So Slot will be happy to hear that. Slot will be happy to hear that. You don't have to tell me to tank much Jason Day. But... Most first-time participants are not Jason Day and do not play well here, uh, so I don't expect Colin Morikawa to, to play great. The only other one I'll mention, Ty- Tyrell Hatton, I think his form has been been very good the last you know three or four weeks. 
I just don't know which Terrell Hatton we're going to get. Um, you know, are, are you getting the guy that is a top 25 player in all facets of the game, or are you getting the guy that, you know, misses the cut at tournaments he shouldn't miss the cut? So uh, I think that's the biggest question with Terrell Hatton. He is in a couple of my lineups, and he's someone that I think you can take a risk on if you're comfortable with some of your other studs. Um, but I think that's something to consider. And then... Uh, sorry, I, I did say last one, but uh, Bubba Watson is just going to be a guy that's going to be plug and play in every single one of my lineups. Yeah, He's gonna... a good price, good price, good course history, good form, which is pretty much all you can ask for. Yeah, I was going to say, let's say, say we should save Bubba for last, but like the fact that he's projected under 10% ownership, I don't think is going to hold, but is like absolutely insane to me right now. It, like, Bubba is an interesting guy that he plays well at like what we'll call Bubba tracks right now. And he always plays well those places. And luckily enough for Bubba Watson, Augusta National is one of the Bubba tracks, right? It's like um, TPC River Highlands and I don't know, there's one other place, but like those are where the majority of his wins have come from. And he's just like been lucky enough that Augusta is one of them. And at 9,000 and he over the last like couple months is, is like uh, top five or leading the tour and strokes gain tee to green and his I, I i heard this on a on somebody's podcast maybe uh, maybe it was like a, a breakdown somebody's doing that like you want to kind of be a defensive putter at augusta because like i don't know you just like learn enough about the greens and it scares you a little bit because you can leave yourself such bad putts sometimes that you want to like try and limp putts into the hole instead of you know being like ricky and hitting them three four feet past and being okay with the comebacker because those comebackers are still really really hard at augusta and bubba watson's the type of guy that does that and that's kind of like why even though he is technically not a good putter in his career he's been much much better um playing playing at the masters yeah, and I think uh, so. Uh, Bubba is the reason that I actually changed uh, that to my having my like three lineup core because I just couldn't not have him in there. I was like, I, I, he was the one person that I was just sad about missing. So I just went. So I have a I have a starting group of DJ Xander and then JT Cantlay and then Bryson Bubba. <laughs> Interesting. I like that. Uh, I, I I put two guys in my lineup without question to start it this week for my core, and, and we'll get to the other guy in the next section, but Bubba Watson was the first one. I, I just think at this price and, and the form he's currently playing at at Augusta, he's a, he's a can't miss. So one thing that is pretty interesting about this uh, range, I would suspect, is that the ownership is really suppressed here. It seems like that everyone's going a 10,000 and above guy and then picking their best, their favorite guys in the next range. And I just yeah. find that kind of fascinating. And I, you know, I know Hatch mentioned this before, I think it was in, in a text or whatever, but he said that, you know, he was building lineups without any of the top guys. And I think that's something you can do because I think there's enough win equity equity with guys like Xander, Cantley and Brooks and Bubba that you could build a lineup with just 9,000, you know, in that range, start with two or three of those guys and, you know, and pair them with someone like a Finau or something like that, and you'll be vastly different than everyone else in the field. Yeah, it also keeps you, and Hash can probably speak to it a little more since he was talking about it, but it keeps you from having to dip really, really low where you get, like, the past champs and the guys that are playing here because they won for the first time last year and all that sort of thing, which isn't really where you want to be. You kind of want to try to... Form a more balanced lineup when you're when you're at the Masters. 
Yeah, I mean, absolutely. As much as I'd love to see Charles Howell III, you know, go on a run and and, and make my lineup, it's not likely that it's going to happen. Um, so if if you're looking for lineups that you don't have to rely on some of the lower price guys, uh, you can build a lineup. Um, I have one that Brooks is my highest ranked guy, and he's not in that above 10,000. I have another one where Terrell Hatton is my highest ranked player. Uh, so I, I think you can build it uh, and, and make it work. Fair enough. Moving on to the next range, uh, you know, the in, the ownership in this range is like all over the place. Bad. Guys I expected to be really highly owned aren't. Guys I expected to be not that highly owned are. And I just don't really know what to make of it. So this range spans from Adam Scott at 8,900 to Paul Casey at 8,000. And you know, I, I you know before. I mean, obviously, my affinity for Jason Day is, is what it is. But Jason Day at eighty four hundred, given his course history, given his form, while we see that he has one his last three tournaments, he made the cut, finished seventh last weekend, and then was on pace to finish in the top ten and had to withdraw uh, due to a back issue at the Zozo, have been very good. And so I was automatically drawn to him, especially because there's other parts of his game, like his off-the-tee game is coming around, his around-the-green around and putting are starting to come around. So I know that all those things are going to be very good for him. But at 22%, I'm like, man, that's crazy. Like, I've never seen Jason Day this highly owned. So it makes me wonder. And then you have guys like Finau, who I thought for sure was going to be like the highest-owned guy in the field, is only like at 14%. So what do you guys make of this range? Because I'm, I'm honestly quite shocked by all of this. So my my second like couldn't miss guy is is Hideki Matsuyama this week. He has really solid course history. Um, you know plays plays well here. Had three top twenty finishes before last year when he finished thirty second. We finally saw him sort of you know peak last week, and I expected him to be fifteen sixteen percent owned. I thought that like, and I, I agree with you. I thought Finau was going to be the highest owned guy, and I thought that they were going to eat up a lot of ownership. But I am I am genuinely surprised to see Matt Wolf and Jason Day be the highest two guys in this section. I mean, Jason Day has earned it. It is flooring me that Matt Wolf is is the highest known guy, given what he had done in his last two tournaments leading up. Uh, but, it, I mean, his price is good, and I guess you give you give people, um, you know, major performances like he has in his first two starts, then then people are going to listen and, and, and want to play you. But I, I'm definitely, definitely surprised. Yeah, I mean, I just, I go back to kind of what I said about Morcow. Augusta National is just one of those courses that every cliche you hear turns out to be true. And it's it's so hard to know how hilly it is, how rough those greens are to read. Uh, and so anytime you get a first a first time player, I just, I, I struggle to, to put any kind of money behind them. I just, as good as Matt Wolf is, you know, he's never walked this course before. So, I mean. I, I'd, if it were me, I'd be so awestruck just watch, just looking at the course that I'd have a tough time playing well. I, so I would never, I, can't, I would make it to the course because I'd wreck driving down Magnolia Lane. Oh, I, yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I couldn't imagine just the feelings. So getting that out of your head to actually go try to play in this tournament has got to be a huge hurdle. Um, in this in this group, you know, we talked about it a little bit before the pod. I have no idea why Tommy Fleetwood is is rated this highly or priced this highly, uh, based on actual form and results. Uh, you know, if you if you took away all the names and just showed stats, Tommy Fleetwood 
should be priced about a thousand to fifteen hundred points lower. Um, but just on name recognition alone, I think he's priced in this. So he's someone I'm I'm completely avoiding. Um, I I like Hideki. I, you know, we talked about him earlier. I, I just don't know if he's going to be consistent enough to to stay for four rounds within this group. Though, I mean. Tony Finau's got good course history, and and I like his game and where it's at. And then you know two guys that we, we talk about every week. It feels like just out of out of nostalgia, but uh, Spieth and Fowler at the bottom of this lineup. I mean, both phenomenal course history. Um, Fowler has the the putting and the 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 approach game to actually do it, but you know will he? Who knows? And Spieth seems like even when he's at his worst, is is a sure bet for a top thirty. Yeah, that's we were talking about Spieth. Like you said, we were talking about Spieth a little bit before, and like everything says, don't play Jordan Spieth except the fact that we're at Augusta, and it's not like he was good in eighteen and nineteen, but he still finished third and and twenty first. And you know, I feel like Ricky struggled more this year, but he, he I didn't think he had a phenomenal year last year. Still came out and put a top ten up at Augusta. So like. I say, you know, this is the place where you, you know, I, I weight event history more than I do usually. Uh, I don't think it overtakes, you know, form and, and people's statistics for me at Augusta, but it is it is just, as I, I'm going to do it, but it is so hard to say no to both of those guys. I'm definitely going to live at the top of this this section with, with Scott and Hideki and, and Finau. I think those those three guys... Uh, are good plays. I just couldn't figure out a way to to fit Day in the roster, and it. I think he's going to play well, but at twenty one percent projected ownership, it it worried me a little bit. And I also, you know, like I said, I just couldn't find a way to fit him in my roster the way I had it constructed. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of fair to almost want to fade him and Wolf, you know, for that very reason, um, because even if they won, it like almost wouldn't really pay off what they're what they're doing now. I. Personally, I suspect I don't think Jason Day will be twenty one percent owned, um, I, just because I, I do think people just don't play him because of the injury thing. But I, I also st- don't think Finau's number holds at fourteen. There's no way he's only fourteen percent owned. Yeah, um, but you know I, I agree with you on on pretty much everything there. I think Paul Casey is an interesting name as well because he has really good course history. He didn't make the cut last year, but he's and he's. He's just he's risky. He's played up and down this year. He's got a 17th and a missed cut in his last four events, uh, but he's got three top 15s before missing the cut last year. So yeah. he's a guy, um, you know, especially if he's gaining strokes off the tee like he normally does uh, in wet conditions, I could see him doing pretty well here despite the fact that he's just not good at putting. Yeah, I mean, again, putting at, putting at Augusta is so much familiarity, and Paul Casey's played here a lot, which I think is... Yeah, it kind of negates that you have to be a good putter, but once you you learn over you know twenty thirty rounds at Augusta, you know the intricacies of the greens. I think it it makes it a little easier for guys that are worse putters. Paul Casey's form hasn't been great, but his two best finishes recently were the U.S. Open and the PGA Championship, and he, he's a guy that is you know a little older, a little later in his career, and I think is pretty hungry for a major. It doesn't do enough to play Paul Casey for me, but I, I definitely think he's got a chance to have a solid finish. But I, I, I he would be my guy over Spieth or Fowler. I think with it, it'd go like Casey, Fowler, Spieth for me if I needed to play and live down in that area. And then moving on to the seven thousand range now, you know the eight thousand range. I don't know the seven thousand range is kind of like where I've come to like 
I don't like a lot of the guys, but the the guys I have strong opinions about are just seem to be in this range. Um, so this thing, this goes from Louis Oosthuizen all the way down to Jason Kokrak. You know, there's a lot of guys with super high ownership here in this range, and it seems to be that like people are collecting because what there's one, two, three, four, five guys with 17 percent or more ownership, and then there's only one other person in this range that's above seven and a half percent. So it seems to be that people are just gravitating to particular guys. You know, Louis Ustazen's in great form, has good course history here. Um, I mean, to me, I don't know if y'all would agree or disagree about this, but probably the best he's played in the last two or three years uh, yeah. is what, what he's playing right now. I think the last two years for sure, yeah. So, you know, but he's projected 19% ownership. Scotty Scheffler is an amazing off the tee player, has never played here before. Uh, but, you know, has decent uh, 32nd and 17th after missing time due to COVID. So he's starting to round into form. Uh, hasn't quite got it right with the irons, but we know he can get hot with the putter. His approach game is, or I mean, his around the green, green game is pretty decent. So if he gets the irons in play, he obviously has as much win equity in this in this 7,000 range as anyone in this field. Um, my personal favorite play in this range is Matthew Fitzpatrick, who has not been putting well. But his approach game has been great. He's gaining strokes off the tee despite the fact that he isn't a super long hitter. Plus, he has great course history. So if he starts putting well with his approach game, which is usually his weak point being his strong point right now, I mean, I think he has an opportunity to win this tournament as well. You know, who do you guys like and who are you guys avoiding in this particular range? Yeah, so um, you know, I think I think you summed it up pretty well. Louis, I think, is just a great guy to, to plug in. His course history here is phenomenal, and as we said, playing the best he has in in the last two years. Um, I will echo you, Slaughter, on on Matthew Fitzpatrick. Uh, I I like his game right now. Uh, I I think he's been hitting the ball really well, and he he was a guy that kind of kept showing up in some of my lineups. Um, and and he's not been a great putter, although at you know at the CJ Cup he was top 25 in putting strokes gained and at the Zozo he was 40th so not horrible and he has enough history here that I think you know he he as as James mentioned he knows enough about the course that he can get by with with just okay putting um I'm bummed that Joaquin Neiman you know couldn't make it in this tournament his form was phenomenal and I really like him as a as a long shot and as just someone to put in your lineup um so I I'm I'm a little sad to see him go and can I say something, guys... Hatch, real quick about yeah, absolutely. that? absolutely. It's funny because in, uh, you know, I was, I'm sitting here playing around with lineups because your, your idea of starting someone not at the top uh, was kind of getting to me. I was like, oh, let me see like, what I can do here with the guys I like. And Joaquin Neiman would have been the perfect fit because I keep ending up in this price range and this like, I have like $7,600 left over. And there's no one else that I really just I thoroughly love in that range, but Walking Neiman just would have fit so perfectly into those lineups, and I'm so sad that he's not here for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I am I'm with you there. I I have gravitated towards towards Matthew Fitzpatrick for that reason alone, uh, just because he's he's a good price and I think fits fits lineups well. Um, and then one guy that I'll just kind of mention briefly because I know you guys wanted to talk about him was Kevin Kisner. Uh, obviously, I have strong opinions on Kevin Kisner, uh, and, I, and I do and I do like his game. Strong, strong, strong opinions about Kevin. Kevin. That's, have... That's never been uttered before. Nobody's ever said that before. 
love it. I think that yeah. is it is literally the hottest take I've ever heard is your opinion of Kevin Kisner. So that's fair. I, I can take that. Um, but I I do like him. Obviously, I just I he has not made it into any of my lineups for this week. Is there any reason? Because Kisner's Kisner's in my core. Uh, mostly because of pricing. Um, I like Slaughter. I was mostly ending up with a like a gap around seventy four, seventy five, seventy six hundred. Okay, that's fair. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I like Kisner too. Um, I, I I see that his course history is good. His form seems to be pretty decent. You know, I, sometimes I guess you just kind of got to throw away like what you what you think about somebody and just play the guy. And I think Kisner at this particular one. So let me let me ask this because the, I I I have a guy. My favorite guy in this like lower range or whatever is Cam Champ. And I just think that with his off the tee game, like and his around the green game improving, that so long as he just doesn't putt god awful, which is certainly possible as he's been just terrible recently, um, like I think he has a, the ability to do well. But I mean, they're around the same ownership. Do you think that Kevin Kisner has a better chance at like winning this tournament than Cameron Champ? Yes, because Champ's never played here before, and I also think that Kisner's cut making sure he makes the cut is also safer than cam champs well i definitely agree i definitely agree that he's like a safer play to to do well i just i don't know so champ is you know the only guy that is that well not the only guy that is close to bryson in length off the team but he is the closest but he you gotta like understand like compared to rory and dj and bryson he does it a very different way he hits a lot lower ball and gets a lot more rollout than those guys tend to get and so he might not be as long. I, he'll still be, you know, top ten in driving distance, is my guess. But he might not be as long as we expect him to be, given the conditions at Augusta this week. So that's that's something to consider with him as well. I Champ is my pivot from Kisner in a lot of lineups. I actually like Champ quite a bit, but I, I do like Kisner more. Also, and then I mean, there's one. I, I don't know how how y'all feel about this, but there's like one person that I like. I know that like Rick, you know, was pounding him, and I've seen a lot of people just like he's sixteen percent owned is Cam Smith, and I just like don't get it. Like I, he's gaining almost all of his strokes putting the ball. Recently, he's been like he's been striking the ball better than he normally does, but his putting is just like so like overwhelmingly you know better than what he does that. I just don't think that what he's doing is sustainable, and he doesn't really have good course history here. And I just, I don't really understand like why he's like sixteen percent owned. It feels like a perfect storm, kind of like it did when he won the Sony Open, right? Like I, I wasn't, I wasn't wowed by everything before that win, but I felt like like he was putting incredibly well. Everything was was just kind of okay. He's a he's a good bad weather player. And so I think a lot of those things built up, and and we're and he was also on a roll, and I think we're starting to see kind of the same things come to fruition here. He's at a good price point, um, or in a space where you know, like outside of me being really excited to play Lee Westwood and Kevin Kisner this week, you know, maybe other people are looking for something in the seventy three hundred range because I don't think anybody really wants to play Gary Woodland and and Joaquin Neiman obviously tested positive. Just to echo on that, every model I made. Before I found out Nemo was testing tested positive, he was in the top ten. For I I like 
I don't know how well he was going to do. He's not a great putter, and this is his first time seeing Augusta, so it could have eaten him alive for all I know. But I, like, and I feel the same way about Scheffler. I don't, like, for being 78 and 7,400, this course, like, this is a Scotty Scheffler-type track. Like, I just think he fits this course incredibly well, and I felt the same way about Neiman. So definitely disappointed to not be able to play Neiman, but I am excited for, for Scheffler to go out and play. Yeah, I'm excited to see Scheffler, uh, and I will I will say about about Cam Smith. Um, I think part of it, you know, you you say that his putting is not sustainable, and and you might be completely fair on that, and it might be might be true. However, you know, it's one of those things like going into Augusta with with the staff that we do have, uh, just someone being a great putter is going to keep them in this tournament. Yeah, uh, for sure. And, and so combine that with the fact that his form's you know pretty good you know top four at at zozo with a with a strong field um 11th at the cj cup with a strong field you know clearly he can compete with the top guys at at some tougher courses so i think just it's kind of a combination of a couple things rather than just one major thing that's keeping him where he is yeah i guess i'm just gonna fade him like that'll that'll be like that'll be like my that's fair like it'll be that like who is it like he's like the wesley he's like wesley bryan like two weeks ago <laughs> and i i was like i just don't get it so i just didn't do it nothing That's like fair. jonathan slaughter growth and fading chalky guys below 8800 like this is just some a phenomenal rate of growth from you we're seeing uh, over the course of this podcast we didn't know this was going to be like a storytelling podcast as as well but here we are um is there who well who who are you guys fading in this range who do you who do you guys not like i'm fading jason kokrak okay me too obviously no 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 interest like he's he i understand he's playing really well and he's pretty long off the tee but if you want to talk about unsustainable putting since you know 2021 stats he's gaining 1.55 strokes putting and that's just like not realistic for jason kokrak especially on greens i mean this isn't this isn't uh, the CJ Cup in, in Vegas where he was like the only guy that had played the course more than once before stepping out, <laughs> right? Like he, he's he's it's the complete opposite end of the spectrum, and so for him to be seventeen percent owned is like completely mind-boggling to me. And I I guess not that I think it's like needs to be said, but Gary Woodland he's just not playing well at all right now which is disappointing because i like gary woodland but like there's no reason to to consider him unless you want like a super weird like trans like you want to differentiate yourself down here and, and Cockrack has the, the double negative for me where he's not good at approach and he's not good around the green and i feel like you just cannot be successful at augusta without being good at one of those two yeah i think that's fair um I will say we haven't brought him up. Um, Shane Lowry is kind of an interesting pick in this in this range. Uh, you know, he he was decent form in his last couple of tournaments. Had some top twenty fives um, and played well at Houston. Um, however, his putting just for me is not strong enough to to trust him here at Augusta. Um, I, I just don't think he's going to make enough putts to actually score well enough on the par fives um, to keep himself in it. And he has terrible course history. Yeah, he's missed awesome. the last two cuts here. Yeah, I so. think I think the that Louis stays in is kind of like your your safe guy. I think he's going to go out and he's going to make you a cut this week. Um, I feel the same way about Kiz. I, I don't see 
unless he's just you know really bad on approach, which he does every now and then. I don't I don't see him missing the cut this week. But I feel like and I feel like Matthew Fitzpatrick is fairly safe to make a cut this week. Everybody else, I could you know kind of see kind of see it going uh, either way. You know, and I, I say that only about Scotty Scheffler because he's you know basically played two good rounds and two terrible rounds. Um, and every tournament he's played, you know, since coming back from COVID. So he's kind of like got a Jackal and Hyde thing going on. Yeah. I mean, just getting back to this, this point about Cam Smith to me, I would, I would much rather play answer. Poor guy. I would, I'd rather much rather play answer who I know is a great long iron player who is probably going to need that because he's not amazingly long off the tee. And with the wetter conditions, he's going to be even shorter. And he has, you know, he's on just as good of a run as Cam Smith is at this point. And I think Abraham, Abraham Answer is just like a lot better golfer. So like, to me, I would rather just pivot that way than playing Cam Smith. Fine, no argument for me here. I think Abraham Answer is good. Abe is good. We like Abe. We like Abe. I heard he's right. honest. So going going down to this, this under the beneath 6,000, again, just crazy chalk that's just blowing my mind. We have Siwoo Kim at 14%, which is outrageous. Zach Johnson at 11%, which makes some sense, given his course history and his form at the moment. And Sebastian Munoz at 14%, Corey Connors at 7%, Lanto Griffin at 8%. I mean, some really chalky guys down here. Man, I was, I, I kind of, I really like the what Siwoo brings to this. I know his approach game isn't all that good, but I like the fact that he's gaining 0.53 strokes around the greens and 0.43 strokes off the tee. That's the prototypical like type of person I'm looking for in these like lower dollar persons. You know, these like dart throws, so to speak. So I'm kind of disappointed that his his ownership is so high because it's really scaring me and i just don't want to it's just like i can't do it like my body like my brain just like won't let me punch that number um but there's a pivot that i absolutely love and i know you guys are going to very much enjoy this and that is eric van royen i keep just coming back to him i think he's going to have a great weekend if you ever mention eric van royen without talking about his fashion I'm going to stop doing this podcast with you. He's going to show ankles. He already did, and he's going to do it on national television. He's going to show ankles at Augusta and break down so many barriers for people like myself and Hash this week. It is very important that we give him his proper due, and I think that's all I have to say. You've said it all. I don't I don't need to add anything. <laughs> um, and then the other guy that I, I keep pivoting to, um, and again, I just don't think I'm going to go lower than, than this. I may have one lineup that I, where I end up having to have like someone like Connors or Griffin, and their ownership isn't going to kill me, and, and they're in good form. Uh, and you know, I think they have the ability to play well at this, at this course, although neither of them are great at around the greens. But is uh, is our fr- our old friend Burned Weisberger? Oh, like I, 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 he's just not good at putting, but he's pretty much good at everything else. He's not long off the tee, but he's accurate, and he has pretty good hit course history here. And getting him at 1.42%, I mean, that, that seems like a steal. Yeah, I, I looked at Burned a lot um, and almost pivoted down from Kiz to get him in a couple lineups. I, I actually like that play. Uh, it, it just didn't fit what I was what I was doing super-duper well. But yeah, I mean, you know, Burns in this tournament because he's in the top 50 in the world. And so you, you know he's, at a bare minimum, good at golf. Uh, and he has a good course history at Augusta, and so so you, you can you can only be so so choosy down here, uh, and especially at one point four percent ownership, I think that's really solid. The other guy 
that is is incredibly interesting for you know he's not low owned but he's only 5.6 percent as is Molinari I'm not a Molinari guy but he's you know his his course history here is great and he's coming off the best tournament I've seen him play in a long time at Houston so it kind of feels like things are, are kind of going right for him right now but as far as like non-high ownership guys those are the two down here that that I find the most interesting Siwoo Kim like you said he's kind of like since the restart he's been a I, I don't know a baby Justin Thomas he's been like he's been he's second in strokes gained around the green since the restart for guys that have played a lot of rounds he's been solid on approach i know that number says differently for the 2021 season but since the restart over a longer sample size he's been pretty good but he's not good enough and, and maybe he is i don't know for 14 percent ownership i just can't do it um, no, because even if he does well he's not making he's not making it for you like he does, right. there's no upside in having him at 14 percent yeah i mean if you want to differentiate yourself at the top then then you can you know, maybe bank on him playing well down here, but I, I don't know that you want to do that a, a ton. Uh, Munoz, I think everybody's on because he said in an interview not so long ago that he played Augusta in November, and everybody was like, oh, he knows what to do, but that's just not how it works. Um, and I think if I'm going to play anybody down here, it, it's probably going to be Connors, and that's as, as low as I really want to go. Maybe I'd play some Lonto. It feels so wrong not to play him below 7,000, but I just think Corey Connors has better form. You know, he made the cut here last year, uh, and I don't think he, he's gained at least three strokes ball striking in his last, like, four tournaments or something like that, which is, like, the hallmark of his game. So, you know, when he's doing what he does well, well, you kind of want to put him in your lineups if, if you're in his range. Yeah, so I think Corey Connors showed up for the most part in most of my lineups when I needed to fill in a spot here, and it's because of that he is gaining strokes on approach um, pretty consistently. And he actually was not awful at putting in, at either the Zozo or in Houston. Um, and so I think just if he can do that for you, he might surprise some people and go really low. But he's also just a good roundout guy. A couple of the other guys that I'll mention just in this low bracket is one is Ben on, uh, who's a, a, a good iron player, 37th in strokes gained approach, uh, as well as pretty good around the green at 21st in strokes gained around the green. Um, so if you're looking for someone that's, again, in, in these low price ranges to run out of lineup, I think he's a solid choice for you. Uh, and Charles Howell the third, I made a joke about him earlier, but he he, he did appear he did appear in a couple of my lineups because I needed someone at the bottom. Uh, he's fourth in putting uh, in. in 2021 over eight rounds so you know at where and 39th around the green so his short game's enough to keep him in it i mean you know unfortunately i think it's kind of it's kind of limited where you can go down here but you know we talk about this all the time that you know it's just the guy down there is just not going to win this type of tournament and so it's just better to spend your dollars elsewhere i agree i will say this and and maybe it's also a question is frankie molinari like if you had if you had looked at him last year going into Augusta, the dude was unstoppable. Right. I mean, he 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 was on top of the world. He was he was killing every tournament. He won the 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 Open Championship and probably should have won the Masters if we're being honest. And so you got to think, okay, maybe it just took him a little bit of time to get over his Masters loss. But if he's at the form he was just you know two years ago, I mean, he could win this tournament from down to that. Yeah, I, I think he's the the best win equity down here. He, he gives yeah. you the best chance to do that for sure. Uh, I was gonna uh, mention slash ask. Uh, this was something we talked about or texted about earlier today. Hatch, you said you think the the winning score is like minus six, minus seven. I do. Um, although, yeah, I mean, I I still think that just 
because of the rain, because of I think how the course is going to play, I just I don't see you know thirteen fourteen under. So so given that being what we're going for to win the tournament, that makes me like somebody like Corey Connors a lot more. I think at a course like this, he's not going to come out and and blitz it and go you know really low four straight rounds to win. But I think he can play like steady even one under two under golf each of the four rounds if he's striking the ball well and it makes me more interested in somebody like him down here kisner as well yeah same for kiz yep cool with that said let's shoot over to uh the betting odds here um i mean there are a lot of juicy prices on this uh i don't know how y'all felt about it but i I mean there's there's a lot here that I, i would like to sink my teeth into like a a nice medium rare steak I don't know how y'all are feeling. Wow. Somebody's hungry. Hasn't had dinner yet tonight. Uh, It's true. I am starving. I I like, uh, I'll I'll just, I'll reel them off. I think can't lay it 25 to one is outrageously low. Uh, Bubba Watson, 28 to one. I like a lot. Jason Day, 40 to one is, is seems to be, it seems a little low for me. Louis Ustase at 66 to one. Matthew Fitzpatrick at 80 to one. I mean, there's a lot of good prices here in my opinion. Let me tell you about a book that has Bubba Watson at 35 to 1. Oh! oh. <laughs> tell me more about this book. Uh, he's, 35, he's 35 to 1 on Bookmaker right now. So oh. it's like... Uh, Excellent. That's a, that's a pretty sexy number. Yes, it is. I, I am surprised to see Finau at 30 to 1 at this book. Like, I thought, I thought his number would be closer in, like, the 25, 26 range, given his pricing and, and how people are on him, for sure. That's a that's an interesting. Although I don't think Finau's going to win, but Hideki's at twenty to one, which is pretty crazy to me here. That's obviously been bet down from the opening odds, but yeah, I mean, I, I would not touch Hideki at twenty to one. I'd, I'd touch him closer at thirty or forty to one. Right? Uh, yeah, I'd look for forty before I played Hideki. I'm not playing him. I just think it's interesting how heavy the public's yeah. on him right now. Yeah, absolutely fair. Um, I, you know, looking at the top guys. Um, so I will just say this: Bryson at 750 to one seven after one you know whatever it is I, I just that is that is way too high for a guy like Bryson DeChambeau you know I we've we've kind of talked about it and he's going to hit the ball a mile this week and he may just shock us all and put every single one 40 yards from the green and then chip up and birdie every hole like I, I mean like it is entirely possible that that is what happens but there are equal chances that he misses the cut or just goes absolutely crazy and doesn't do well. So I, I'm, I'm staying far away from him. I love the fact that Brooks Kepka is somehow an underrated golfer right now, uh, which which kind of blows my mind because I think when every golfer is playing their best golf, Brooks Kepka is the best golfer in the world. So the fact that I can get him at 17-1, to 1, I will be putting money on Brooks Kepka. I won't say how much, but there will be large amounts of money being put on Brooks. He was, I I don't want to disappoint you, but he was 24 to one when we were looking at this last week on the podcast. Damn. I I, I did not look at him last week and I'm a little upset about it, but even 17 to one is just a great price. If you'd have listened to the podcast last week and Hatch, you would have known that I was all over Brooks Kepka and you would have foreseen this happening. That's on me guys. That, that is on me. It's also, it also should be pointed out that like major, winning like made picking outright winners in majors is like a year-round betting thing right like there are people out in the world that have justin thomas 25 to 1 cards and bryson dechambeau 30 and 40 to 1 cards because they bet it last december and so it's like something you have to pay attention to all the time right like slaughter and i were talking about 
the Masters, I don't know, like, March, or, like, right when the tour came back, and Rory was, you know, 17 to 1, now he's 9 to 1, and so this is something, like, we should be keeping tabs on all the time and, and looking at, and I obviously have better tickets at, at, at better numbers, but this is what we have to, to kind of to talk about right now. Uh, interesting, Scheffler is 57 to 1, and then I think, um, given that I'm finding Finau and Matsuyama at, like, 20 and 30, which scares me a little bit for those guys. Adam Scott at 40 to 1 is my favorite play from this range. I just don't think Scott has a lot of upside. Like maybe I'm wrong here, but I just I know he played pretty well at the US Open, but or was it the PGA? Played well at the PGA. PGA. But I I, I don't know. I, I just I like it like I feel like him finishing thirty fifth is like exactly where he's gonna be. Interesting. Yeah, we I think we disagree a little bit on uh on Adam Scott then, but yeah, I I definitely could see that though. Fitzpatrick seventy two to one is is pretty interesting. Uh, if we want to talk long shots, I guess I'll go back to to a guy we were talking about before. Uh, Frankie Molinari is one twenty five to one. Like if you want to play a real long shot, I think that's that's kind of the space you you want to be in. Um, Munoz at a hundred to one, being like the lower of the long long shots, I, I absolutely love it. I would go nuts if Sebastian Munoz won. I love that dude. Yes, he's awesome. Um, is there any like interesting think- like first round bets that y'all have? I don't know. If, I don't know if y'all uh, seen those I, numbers or not. I have I, not looked at first round bets. So I mean, Scotty Scheffler at sixty to one, I think is is probably my favorite first round leader bet. That I, I like that a lot. Um, I mean, I, I kind of you know I always kind of like going lower on these sorts of things. Like Van Royen's like ten thousand, you know, to one or plus ten thousand to to do this. Like I, that to me is like the type of bet that I want to be making with those. But there aren't, in my opinion, there's not like a ton that's like standing out to me as is uh, something that would be super interesting. I think Fitzpatrick w- would be another one that I would be on. Patrick Reed at 33-1 mm. first round mm. lead. I really like that's that's just calling my name right now. Yep, Patrick Reed. I like that one a lot. You say he's okay, 33. Yeah, I got him at 35 for first round. I mean, Matt, oh, well, I don't know. Matt Wolf just hasn't been playing well. He's 40 to 1 for first round lead. Again, Matt Wolf first time ever seeing Augusta, like I just That's true. That's fair. I got I got excited. That's my bad. <laughs> It's understandable. Is that like your? That's uh, like your. Uh, there are some crazy, some crazy bets out of Bovada. I'm just gonna like roll it through. They have like a. You can pick like the the guys that'll finish first, second, uh, and they're, mm-hmm. they're just like really bananas odds, obviously, um, in any order. So you can pick like let's say like John Rom, Patrick Cantlay to finish first or second. Either one of them uh, it would be eleven thousand <laughs> plus eleven thousand. Yeah, it makes sense. That is getting two guys right is tough. It, to- oh, it totally makes sense. It's just that it, that's an interesting. It seems this is like the Super Bowl of odds. Um. <laughs> so, so while we're while we're talking about prop bets, I got a couple questions just because I think Augusta National is just such a fun, detailed course to talk about. So, Tiger Woods is still the the leader in driving distance for for four rounds, which is at like three hundred and twenty three point one right. or something like that. Do you think that Bryson beats it? Yeah. So you think Bryson is going to average more than 323 yards off the tee? He's carrying this. it 345. I, I understand that. I'm just, like, nobody's even gotten close since Tiger did that. And by the way, Tiger did that in 1997. 
So which is crazy. Which is yeah, like that's that's again that's a separate discussion. Which People just... were sniffing three hundred in nineteen ninety seven, and Tiger was like, "Oh, three twenty three at Augusta." Yeah, and he did it with persimmon woods and a shit ball. So I just do you think Bryson can average more than three twenty? The only reason I say I say no. And I, the only reason I say it is because I just don't think there's enough holes that he can really put it down there 370. Like, he can hit it 370, but there's just holes at Augusta that you can't hit it 370. I mean, you're not going to. And if you do, you're leaving yourself in bad spots. Right, the course doesn't let you. That's a good point. Yeah, I don't... I could see him coming. I mean, he's definitely going to give it a run. I wonder... I, I honestly want to know if, like... Because they played a practice round on Monday. I want to know if that topic came up. Right. And if Bryson in the back of his... If Bryson in the back of his mind is just like... I want to do it just to say I did it. Like... Right. Like, I just want to take this from him. <laughs> yeah. And, he doesn't even care about winning. He just... He wants to get the driving record. And Bryson's the type of dude that would, like... I think care about that. Yeah. Absolutely. Hey, Hatch. Uh, I have a bet for you. Oh. All right. The top player from the University of Texas... You have Scotty Scheffler God. and Spieth at, at plus 110. I mean... How, do, how does Scheffler... I mean, the only other person is Fratelli. How does Scheffler not going to just absolutely dominate that? Because it's Jordan Spieth and it's Augusta. I mean, yeah. man. again, like, he played awful. Like, he's been in awful form for, for, like, three years now, and he still finished top 10 and top 20, or top 30, whatever it was, in, in the last two years. Like, the dude just is magic at Augusta, and... At, I, I say this, at some point, we're going to laugh that Justin Spieth, that just that Jordan Spieth was this bad. Like, I think we're just going to laugh because, like, at some point, it's going to click for him again. At some point, like, he's just going to get over whatever mental block is in his head right now. And it's all, and his game is still going to be there. And we're just going to be like, yeah, I don't know why we ever worried about, you know, Jordan Spieth. See, I think we'll laugh and we'll just laugh about how he was so good for a short period of time and be like, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, he was like he—he he was one of those guys that like he won three majors so quickly, and everyone was like, "All right, well, he's just the next great." Like he'll be like and, to me, he'll be like the worst player ever to win three majors. Oh, now there's a bold statement. I'm 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 currently looking up all the people that have won three. Majors. I mean, it's not that. I mean, it, can't, it just can't be that many people. I mean, Bubba Bubba would be the only other person, right? That would be like kind of right. like in that conversation, maybe. This is this is a great great. Question for the all right. Well, all right. So, worst, Hatch, here's, who is here's the worst one. player with three? Here's majors. another one for you. Anyways, Bubba, oh, wait, 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 real quick, is top left. Real quick, minus two hundred. Who's he up against? Okay. Like Mike Weir, Mickelson, and Mickelson and Jijun Lin. I mean, I feel like that's a that's a windmill yeah. slam dunk. Like I mean, might be, I my, have, might be my Mickelson play. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I'm, I mean, I'm I, putting the account on Bubba as the top lefty. Yeah, I absolutely would put put Bubba as the top lefty. I don't think anyone even comes close to it. But by the way, I, I'm going Spieth over Scheffler for, for top UT guy. Oh, that's crazy. You got to listen to him. He has a final authority on all things UT yeah, on the that, podcast. That's true. All right. So I'm looking at guys with three majors. And to be honest, man, like this is just tough. Like I have no idea who Bob Ferguson is or, or you know, Julius Boros, like, I, like that's fair. I knew it's who tough Tommy to... Armour was for his yeah discount line of glo- golfing attire and clothes. Like, like who Ralph Goldall is? I, like, I, I can't tell you who that is. They've so, been I mean, golf it's... for a long time. Yeah. However, I would I would say Jordan Spieth is probably already better than Hale Irwin. So, I you know, you're I, shut I, down. I, you're shut down, Slaughter. That's what we're saying. 
He's already better than Hale Irwin. I'd have to look this up. Jordan Spieth. Take that Jordan Spieth slander and save it for a week that isn't Augusta. Okay, we'll all be on board then. But you're not gonna get us. You're not gonna get us to say that Spieth is the is the fade this week when we're at Augusta. I will not be on the record. All right, Hello Irwin has 20 wins, so you know. Correct. Let's slow a roll there. Correct. All right. I mean, he has 20 wins, and Jordan Spieth has like what 15 something like that. No way. Spieth only has like seven. Uh, he has 14 tour wins. Really? Dude, he or, won sorry, excuse 11. me, 11. 11 tour okay, wins. That makes more 11. sense. He won 11. five times in one year. Like, yeah, he has 11 tour wins, and he's only 27. By the way, Nick Price, we didn't mention, who is a great international player, only has, like, if we combine, 25 between PGA and European. So All right. Jordan's quickly climbing. Again, I think, that, like, I think it'll be no, crazy to look back and we'll say, like, how did Spieth win 11 times in two years? To be fair, I also think Padre Carrington is a wildly overrated golfer that got lucky when Tiger Woods was simply just hurt. Oh, so, that's fair. That is reasonable, though. And that is no disrespect. I that is no disrespect. I like Patty. I, I you know I enjoyed watching him play, but he won his three tournaments in a two year span when Tiger Woods literally like, was dead. So before he resurrected himself. Hey, I, I interesting matchup. Uh, Tony Finau is minus two ten. Against Tiger Woods this week for the man, that's that's rough. I know there's a book somewhere you can get. Uh, I think it's Pat Patty Reed at minus one sixty three against him. And if you like look at strokes gained over the last, it's either since the restart or since the beginning of the year, he he's like eighty three percent to win that matchup according to the strokes gained data, which is actually like minus two forty. But you get like the Tiger bump, and nobody likes Patrick Reed. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. So I actually I think Patch Greed is an easy top ten finish this week. Um, I, I I do I, I I actually think he might win. Um, if if I've got like four or five golfers that I'm I'm gonna put money on to win, and Patch Greed is definitely one of them. So he's the I like he's Patrick the one Green person there. I'm sad that I'm missing out in, in like my core. And I I I don't like Patch Greed the person, but as a golfer he's very good, and at Augusta he's even better. So. He will be one of my bets, but it does bring me up this question is where do you think Tiger Woods finishes? I think he misses the cut. I mean I I guess I'm technically on the record of saying he might probably miss the cut. He you might kind of, probably is not an answer. That's you, not on the record. <laughs> you've talked me out of him missing the cut, but I don't think he finishes in the top forty. Okay, so we've got a miss cut and a and a not top forty. Alright, that's fair. That's fair. I hate For the record. For the record, I have him as a top 25. Okay. All right. So, we'll, we'll, we'll square up after this. <laughs> after this <that's> weekend. <laughs> what, <laughs> what odds What odds do we have to give you for a top 25? What are you giving Slaughter for a missed cut? It's plus two, 250 oh. for a missed cut. Is that what he is? Okay. Mm-hmm. And then for a top is for it, a top 20, I can tell you it is for top 20. but That's fine. That's oh, fine. but uh, here's one that you'll like. Uh, uh, I, I think we'll all like, honestly. The top continental uh, pl- uh, European player, we got John Rahm at minus two twenty five. The next person would be Fran- Frankie Mo- Frankie Onions at plus six hundred. I don't know how John Rahm's not winning that. Yeah. So I, I had this thought earlier. Tiger's plus one hundred five, so he's probably like minus one fifty for top twenty five. All right, that's fair. That's fair. I had this thought earlier about John Rahm, which is just, I think if you were to build 
like the perfect player for Augusta, that player would end up being John. But doesn't his around the green game scare you? I mean, not really. In a normal year, I think John Rahm would be even more favored than he is now. I don't. I I guess. Yeah, I think that's also true. I think people are just like hot on Bryson right now, which Uh, is also a separate discussion that I don't understand. But I, I I don't find John Rahm's around the green game that scary because I feel like he just kind of. I mean, he obviously doesn't use the same technique or whatever, but he's just kind of like Jason Day, where like they just kind of do the same thing every time. And he's not as good as Jason Day. I'm not not saying that, but like, and he, I think Rom gets a little bit of flack because he doesn't have a super creative short game, but he's like pretty consistent of putting it within like the circle of trust and leaving himself putts he can make. So he, his his around the green game doesn't scare me. And uh, he is a great putter. Yeah. Right. Yes. He's like absolutely. The, the, he's the. I guess Bryson's also a great putter, but. Bryson's only good at two things. John Rahm is good at four things. And, and is Bryson a great putter? I mean, he's, like, as you mentioned earlier, he's the worst putter out of anyone that's played 12 rounds here. He is a great technical putter. He is okay. not a good greens reader. Okay, fair. Is that and, fair? And it, yeah, that, that is absolutely fair. But at Augusta, it, we don't, it matters. Yeah, where you don't get a greens book. Right, it and, matters and we And we mentioned this before the pod, but Augusta is that course where you you have to know where to hit it on the green because you're going to have a lot of two putts and you can either have really easy, safe two putts or you can have absolutely horrible two putts that you're just hoping go in. And I don't know if Bryson can get enough of the easy ones. I agree, especially since I don't think he's that good of a wedge player. Although it being no. wet will help him some. So I, I don't know. It's a weird tournament to predict what Bryson's going to do this week. Yeah, I wonder if the rain will actually... Make him rethink his strategy because he just won't get the the types of rollouts that he would have gotten when you know to be Bryson, to be more helpful. He hits the ball so high he doesn't really get rollouts anyway, which is why Matt Wolf was out driving him on the final day mm. at the U.S. Open because it was so dry. So I, this being this wet favors Bryson and like Rory way more than it favors the other guys because they get almost all of their yardage with the driver out of carry, not not rollout. So got it that. For for what that is, that that definitely is an advantage to Bryson. All right, Mickelson play. What do you got, Slaughter? What is, what is your wild? Oh, it's it's definitely Bubba at minus two hundred to be the top lefty. I mean, that is that, that just screams like that's asking me to to uh, to lose a lot of money. So uh, for me, Patrick Patrick Reed leading it after the first round. Okay, I think uh, I think I'm gonna lay into the uh some scotty shuffler first round action so i'll I'll follow hatch in the type of that but i i think he i think he might make a bunch of birdies on day one and then fade like he has been what who's your who's your big fade for the tournament this week i'll go bryson um i know it's kind of a an easy pick but i just i don't see him having the game for this for this course uh and until he he proves me wrong i'm gonna i'm gonna fade him slaughter Oh, it's it's definitely Cameron Smith. Okay, yeah, that's right. You were very very adamant about that. Uh, I'm gonna. I, I agree with with Hatch on Bryson for the sake of of being different. I'm gonna go with somebody else who's kind of out of the the Bryson uh, mold that I don't expect a lot from. I'm gonna go with Matt Wolf, highest stone golfer on the slate projected. I just I don't I don't see it coming from this weekend. Hopefully he proves me wrong. I like him, but I don't see it. Uh, and then who is who's your draw? Who's your cheaper guy that? 
or maybe lower owned guy that you you just can't can't shake that you think you're going to get advantage on the field. Mine mine is EVR Van Ryan. Oh, <laughs> I love it so much. I love uh, it so my, much. Mine is uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick. Mine is Tyrrell Hatton's hoodie that he has in the rotation this weekend. Um, no, my I think I guess mine is 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 got to be Hideki. I think he's going to have a I think he's going to finish top ten this week. And if he's only ten percent owned, I think that's going to give me a huge advantage. Uh, and then we will uh, we'll get us all of us out of here on the last question. Who's your winner this week? I think Catch. You got JT. Yeah, I think I I got JT. I you could you could convince me Brooks, but. I'm leaning JT, so I'm going to go JT. Slaughter? Uh, I think Xander gets it done. This breaks my heart. I think Dustin Johnson gets the win this week. Oh. I like DJ. I got him in he'd, be my, he'd be my second him. choice. We got him in one and done this week. I can't I can't go against it. Three, Four top tens in his last four finishes, including a couple of seconds. I think, no, one second, one fourth. I got to go. Got to go with DJ this week. He's been the hottest player in the world for a long time. Uh, thank you all for listening to the In the, Bad po- In the Bag podcast. We appreciate you taking time out of your day to listen to us. Find us anywhere you get your podcast: Spotify, Google, Apple, iHeartRadio. I think that's a thing. I'm not entirely sure. But wherever you found us, thanks for listening. If you could leave a comment or a subscribe, leave a rating, uh, whatever you could do to help, we'd very much appreciate it. Have fun this week. Uh, it should be a lot of a lot of money wagered uh, on the Masters. It's you know probably the biggest week uh, weekend in golf. Uh, so it should be a lot of fun to, to watch how this plays out. And we hope you'll tune in again next week so we can help make sure you have the right clubs and the bag. Thanks again. Stay safe.